I mean, I know when like when I was little, like it was a big deal to have like your parents take you out to lunch or something like that. So I'm like, that's yeah. like part of my thing. Like once a month, it's like a goal. Like, I'm so they're not embarrassed time. by you? No, they love it right oh, now. They will get embarrassed. So I'm will, like, I'm going to do sure. this now, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I did the Big Brothers Big Sisters program, so I went and had yeah. lunch with my little, and it was just really weird. And it's I weird. Felt like a giant in yeah there. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing it. like you look around and there's like you know lunch tables and i'm not joking like 15 kids packed in a table that handles eight <laughs> but they just want to be next to like an adult because they think that's like something special i'm like well i ate the school lunch when i was there I, <laughs> which was really weird like Yikes. i went through the line yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're looking at you like you're it was it was weirdo? better i think than what we used to yeah. have like there's a lot of pre-packaged <laughs> yeah, line. <laughs> <laughs> the lunch lady's like, get out of here, weirdo. I know. I know. They, I, <laughs> I asked it. a lot of questions before yeah. we went and was like, is this how I do it? And they were like, yeah, that's what most parents yeah, do. Funny. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> All right. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about buying your first one or two rental properties. So kind of the the main starting point is the financing. How do you pay for it? Right? Like that's kind of the... Yeah. That's, the, that's a lot of the reasons that people don't do it. But let's just talk about how much money that really costs to get started. Yeah. Because, and I think there's... Man, I tell you what, like TikTok or YouTube or they got crazy things and say you can do it with no money down and you can. But I think for the general population, I think it's 20% down. Like I really think that's most people in most categories. Yeah. I know some lenders will do 15% down, but if you can do 15% down, maybe you do 20% down and get rid of that um, PMI, yeah. that private mortgage insurance, because that could be $100 a month. So it's kind of one of those things. There, now, there's a couple different strategies. I think I sold a house a year ago to someone that did house hacking. So basically, house hacking, if you don't know what that is, is they, they buy a house and they move into it. So they get a better market or they get a, a loan with, I think, a 5% interest yep, rate or, something is. Is what, or 5% down, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was kind of cool because it was actually a duplex is what this guy did. So he was able to put 5% down. He lived in the top unit or lives in the top unit. And then he rents the basement unit and actually covers his mortgage. Covers the mortgage. And in theory, you know, in the next year, he's going to do that again and again. So it's kind of a cool concept to get around that 20% down. But for the general rule, about 20%, I think is where you need to be. And if you own a house now, that could be a good rental. You could also just move into the next one that you plan on kind of sticking with. You don't have to move every year, but you just started with your first rental property because it was your last home. I yeah. think that's how a lot of people get started. And they, mm-hmm. yeah, I actually, that's a conversation I have usually with clients is how do we keep this house? How do you not, that sounds weird as a real estate agent, but like, how do you not sell that house? Because there's a benefit with your interest rate, down payment, all that stuff. Um, if you can do that, I think there's a big win from that. Yeah. And if you purchased, say, five years ago, you could also what refinance and take out some equity if you need it to purchase another one. Yep, exactly. You know, everyone wants a, this is my world a little bit, everyone wants a discounted house, a cheap mm-hmm. house. And we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. For the most people, I don't think a discounted house is probably the right house for them, not on the first or second. I mean, I think you have to be a, a special person with a pretty thick skin, honestly, to get into that, especially in this market. So you can do it, but it's going to cost it's you gonna cost more cash and possibly more than it's worth. You gain equity doing that, which is a huge deal, but you don't, yeah, you spend more money up front to do mm-hmm. that. And that's usually a person when they're one or two houses like they don't don't have a lot of extra money so Mm -hmm. that money is important you know when you start talking expenses those are kind of upfront expenses to get it rent ready but we should also just talk about what a monthly expense looks like for a new landlord mostly included in that just like any mortgage would be your taxes your insurance and then your pni yep what else do you see as a monthly expense for a landlord? I think they say, I can't remember what my bank makes me do, but something like 5% of your annual gross goes into like 
unknown expenses, you know, like your heating system goes out or needs to be replaced or just fixed even. Usually it's $100, Mm -hmm. like it's not a whole unit. But those are hard to plan, right? So you have to almost plan on an unknown category. The planned ones are, you know, your basic ones are your your utilities. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that if it's a single family home, it's got its own utilities and it's really easy to just have the tenant pay all the utilities. That's what I have on my rental unit is that the tenant pays all utilities. If you start looking at a duplex that hasn't separated the electric or the gas or the water, then you almost have to include them because going back and seeing which tenant used what, it doesn't work. So then you include them and you up your rent, but easiest way would just be for the tenant to take care of all the utilities. And I think that's a really good point. Like, so single family is super desirable for a lot of reasons. One of which kind of fitting with this category is the ease of tenant pays it all. That's very standard within our market. If you're looking to buy a duplex, the the utilities aren't split out. It's wildly more expensive for you as a, the landlord. So it's something to kind of consider you have to up your rent or be able to support higher rent if you do that. Totally. And there are ways to split that. But that, again, is one of those upfront costs that maybe doesn't make the most sense. Yeah, I had a nice little house that I turned into kind of a duplex. I had good rent on it. My utilities turned out to be like 350 to $400 a month because I had a tenant that would leave a door open because mm-hmm. he wasn't paying for the gas. And my preference is to get utilities, pass them on to the tenant, and, and then they pay for what they use. I feel like that's a very fair way of doing it. So then now that we're talking about tenants, let's just go into what does that look like when you buy a house? What if there's already tenants in that property? Yeah. Have you run into that? Have you done any deals yeah. where that's, yeah. Yep. I've had clients that have bought homes with tenants in them. And, you know, one of the first things we do is, hey, we want to see those leases because when does that expire? Are they going month to month? Do we yeah. get to choose our next tenant? Or are we with those tenants for the next six months? Which if we are with those tenants for the next six months, I'd really like to have a full application rerun on them look at what do you got going in there because some people don't do that and i think it's important just to know your tenants i think for the tenant part of it too what i see is a year and a half ago i would never recommend a tenant or a client of mine buying a house with a tenant in it honestly i mean i guess i shouldn't say never but mostly didn't because a lot of people are selling them because the tenants the problems like that's Mm -hmm. the motivation to sell a house in our current market i don't think that's the case i think people are just selling and tenants are in place and that's the the deal so but i agree you need to test them you need to make sure what what do those leases look like when do they end what's the deposits how does that get transferred hopefully you can raise those rents or hopefully those rents aren't too depressed because if they are then you might be stuck with that for a bit. Exactly. And actually, I showed a house to some clients and they were going to use it as a rental, but there was a tenant in place and their lease that they had on that was a year and a half left on it. They must have signed a two-year lease and it was really suppressed. So it was kind of like, it doesn't make sense to buy it. Yeah. And we didn't. But then there's another key factor in there when you have tenants in place is, you know, they put a security deposit down, right? But you don't know what that house looked like when they moved in. And you might just have to eat some of that like cleaning or repairing or something because they could just say it was like that when I moved in and you end up giving them their deposit All that stuff, it's like documentation is key. Mm -hmm. The more experience, the more you do have pictures, right? Mm -hmm. You do have move-in checklists that you can kind of lean on and things like that. So tenants will tell you, no, that hole in the wall was there. And you're like, come on, like, no, it wasn't there. <laughs> like, no, we wouldn't have rented a place with a giant hole, in, you know, but, right. yeah. but it's harder, hard to prove without that. Right. And so then let's just say there aren't any tenants in there. You're starting from scratch. What's the first thing you do? What I look at is, and this is just the style that I look at. And I think a lot of my clients are, we look at quality of property, quality of property will get better quality of tenants. And that's, that's a huge point of it. So if you want to make a lot of money on you know, that slumlord aspect, that is a business model, but you're going to work for it. 
so going to like my experience and some of the stuff that I work with, we go through and we run background checks, credit checks, income verification. The rental process starts out for me of you, you get 100 people who wants to rent your house. Cool. Great. So tell me your credit score or what's your credit score. And if they don't meet your criteria, I typically, I try to be right around 700 is what I look for. I mean, you can do 600 or you can do whatever you want, but that's just kind of what, what I go for. If they don't meet that first threshold, then that's where their conversation ends. And then if they do, then we go on to the next question and kind of keep talking. So mm-hmm. it's a ton of work up front. I mean, I did a fair amount of this recently, but yeah, you don't have problems later. Right. You have better tenants that are likely going to pay your rent on time. They're yeah. not, they're going to take care of the property better and maybe stay longer. So you don't have to do yeah. that again in a year. And what I've seen too, like I just had a turnover on a house. They stayed there for 15 months. Uh, they turned around and, and purchased a new house and they left it and it looked identical to when they moved in. So I actually don't even have a gap in vacancy because I mm-hmm. showed it and re-rented it on the day after they moved out. Awesome. And that's the perfect system. So if you have good tenants, you qualify correctly, treat them right, do the right things, it will make your business, I think, stronger. Sure. And so let's just chat real quick about self-managing because that could end up being a monthly expense too. But honestly, if you're going to get into this business, I think at least for the first couple, you self-manage, you learn a lot, yeah. you save a lot of money, and then you know you can decide from there what you want to do. But self-managing anymore is a lot easier than it probably used to be because of technology. I ran my application for my tenants on Turbo Tenant. I ended up, I just gave them the link and they all applied and they paid the app fee. And I could just go through and I compare them and choose and then I could do a lease through them. And so it's all there in that website too. So when you were first starting, it's not that long ago, what were your fears with picking that tenant or going through that process? Do you remember points of like, oh man? Yeah, it was overwhelming because I put it on Facebook, just a classified Facebook page. I think I made it active at like 8 a.m. And I had 63 inquiries (laughs) by noon. And that's not even like, that's no joke. So then I ended up meeting, I think 12 to 15 people at the house that afternoon And by the evening, I had eight solid applicants. So it was really overwhelming. But I just said, I'm choosing someone tonight because I can't do this again tomorrow. A big fear that I had, and I don't know if it was warranted or not, but it was, how am I going to be fair? How am I? Because they were all good applicants. I did the checks on all of them. And I could have chosen any one of those. You know, it was just kind of hard. Maybe I took more emotion into it than I needed to. No, I I think that's what I like about that. So the landlord community, it can be a community. And I sometimes think that it's not. I Mm -hmm. think it's a lot of people just doing their own thing. But what I like and I do for like my clients, I know you've done it for me actually, is when you get a great tenant and you don't have an opening, you pass them along to the next person. And I Mm -hmm. think that's a cool part of choosing the tenants. I still tell them, requalify them. I don't know these people that well. It it can benefit everyone if if you've got a a, kind of that network that can support them. So I think that's cool. All right. So got you know, 63 tenants and eight good ones. How do you decide market rent? I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on how much money you should get paid for having this? Right. So figuring out market rent, being in the business helped a little bit. You were a good tool for that because I know that you have rental properties that are similar to the one that I purchased. I have also had clients reach out to some property management companies in the area. And I've got a few um, good connections with them that they'll say, yeah, that should rent for X amount. And then I, probably could have gotten a little bit more, but I, it was going to cash flow really nicely and I didn't need the top amount that anyone would pay. I just wanted it to be a good home for somebody. Yep. I think when we look at our areas, 
obviously the more you do, the more you're going to see what the rents are. It's very easy if you're in the business to kind of understand that. But if you're just getting started, I would tell people just kind of pay, I don't, I don't know what the Facebook page is, Rapid City Rentals or something like that. If you just watch that and you can kind of see quality of pictures that are going on and rental rates and how fast they're going, I think you could actually self-educate pretty fast off of that if you wanted to do it. Okay, so you're getting rent. Maybe let's just say you're paying a mortgage, right? So you got money coming in, you've got money going out. Good idea to have a separate bank account for it all. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you should treat it like a business. I mean, it is a mini mini business. So yeah, that's that's how I would recommend. I mean, that's how I always did it from day one. And I think that way you can actually see if it's profitable or where you're at. Sure, like you might have an unexpected. Um, problem come up, but you should have a little bit of cash in that one bank account yeah. that can kind of help you navigate that. I, in my first rental, my first winter in it, I didn't hear much from my tenants and I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> and I was getting paid before it was even due. A couple of days after a really cold spell, we had a two day like negative temperature here. And the day after both those days, I was contacted by my renter and they said, hey, I don't think the heat is working. And I said, how long has the heat not been working? (laughs) So I go there, I find it's a boiler, which is ancient, but it works. So I found the boiler guy of all boiler guys. And he went in there and he did some work on the boiler, ran water through it while there was a break in one of the lines. And so he had to, it was in one of the bedrooms, so it was at least easy to access So they fixed that and then they ran water through the system again. It wasn't holding pressure. And we found out that the second leak was behind the bathtub, which is just a nightmare. I mean, they got pretty creative in how to fix it without having to take the tub out. Did they just run a new line? They ran a new line. Yeah, they just ran a PEX line. And luckily we could get from the back bedroom to the next behind the tub into the kitchen and reconnect. I mean, it was expensive. It was probably four days worth of just troubleshooting and trying to figure it all out. But because the tenant didn't tell me that their heat was out, so I didn't have an opportunity to fix it before it got worse, they are paying about two thirds of that bill because, you know, it kind of falls on them too. And that's part of the lease that I have written is that they are to let me know about any problems right away. Yeah. So when you get receipts like that, it does become part of your write-offs tax purposes. You want to keep all those receipts. And if you can keep all into one bank account, it does make it a lot easier to see where money's going in and out. Yep. Yeah, I have just like a bunch of like, I don't think this probably isn't the professional way, but I have like envelopes with those receipts. Once you get up and going, you don't have, I mean, how many expenses do you have on yours in a given year? Like That was it so far? Yeah, I was going to say, it's not like you're going to go into lows every day on yeah. something. but. You want to keep track because, I mean, I honestly forget about what happens two months ago. So if I didn't mm-hmm. have that system in place, there would be no way I would remember what the heck. Oh, that was this year? I thought that was two years ago. You know, I don't right. remember that. Well, and when I bought it, I did do some work to it. All of those receipts were used yeah. on my taxes last year. It's not just cash flow every month. It's tax yeah. benefits too. Yep, absolutely. So wrapping this up, let's just talk a little bit about what this market's doing with interest rates and what impact is that going to have on investments? What do you think? (laughs) I got some ideas, but what are you thinking? My thought process is that that buyer pool is going to minimize a little bit because those interest rates, we don't know how high they're going to go, but they're going to get a little ugly, I think, before they get pretty again over the next year. So I think our buyer pool is going to go down. And I think that the rental market's going to go up because those same people have to have somewhere to live. And I think the interest rate is going to scare them a little bit. Yeah. And I think buying new investment properties 
is an ongoing challenge, which will continue not because of competition down the road, but more because of profitability, because of interest rates. But I do think what you said there is absolutely right, is rents are going to increase. It's a weird thing. You know, when home ownership becomes too expensive or more expensive, again, people have to live somewhere. So it, it does naturally support rents. And what I've seen with mine over some of the portfolio stuff that I've had in the last, we'll just say three years, they've cash flowed fairly well from the beginning, but they're better now for sure. I think that's just the nature of the rental properties. The longer you hold them, the more profitable it will be on cash flow. Hopefully, I think it will get better. Like I don't think that it just stays stagnant if you're active and you have a good property. I think that you actually will see increasing returns on that. And to talk about some of those interest rates, they might be scaring potential investment buyers, but I don't think that that is a very clear way to look at that because in a year or two, interest rates will likely go back down and you can refinance. And by then maybe your house is worth more. So then you refinance to a lower interest rate and you can take some of the equity out to put towards another one. So it's all kind of a game, but I think it's just important not to be scared off by some of those minor things because it's temporary. And if you buy it right from the get-go, you buy it in an area that's getting better. You buy a stat of a house, a three-bedroom, two-bath house, the two-car garage. That will increase in value in any market more than a three-bedroom, one-bath house. Just to show you, there are different levels within there that can actually act as a almost a safety, that they will become more valuable. They will get better rent. You will compete. I think in the future, it's, it's just going to become stronger. We have expansion here, of course. That's going to help. We have a ton of people moving in from mm-hmm. outside. Most of the people I deal with don't live in Rapid City. We do video tours and mm-hmm. they're coming here. So um, that's truly fueling the growth of both rental and, and real estate as well here, I think. We've been discovered. Yep, exactly. We hope this episode sparked some curiosity or grew your confidence to make your next move in the real estate world. Reach out to us with questions or for tangible steps you can take to get started. We would love for you to rate this podcast and share it with a friend. Our contact info and social media links are in the show notes. Make it a great week.